So we're in 1 Samuel in our weekly Bible readings. We are reading through the Bible in two years through the Mission 119 program. And this week we were in Samuel, 1 Samuel 1 to 12. And every day there's a reading on, on this app on your phone or on the internet, mission119.org. And then there is a commentary that Pastor Soper shares with us. And I actually emailed Pastor Soper this morning. Uh, he, he retired a couple months ago. And I said, so, you busy? You want to come and meet our church and preach to us? So I'm going to see if he's going to be willing to come out and meet everybody. He's a really great guy. And it would be fun to hear him in person, I think, for all of us. And hear what God has put on his heart. But, uh, he's out there in New Jersey. But we're, we're reading through, through 1 Samuel now. I think we're starting week 34 tomorrow. So it's a great time to jump in. Every week is a great time to jump in. And we're going to read straight through this whole passage together because it's a great story. And there's no way you can really condense it. I love the story. Uh, God spoke so many things to me in, in this story, and I want to um, make an effort to share what God has for us today with all of you. So before we get into this story, I'd like to turn to uh, Matthew 18 as a, as a bridge into this. It says in Matthew 18:1, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him, and place the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. These are pretty serious words from Jesus about what it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven. And very absolute statements. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom. That's the, that's the one admonition. The second one is if anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin or stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone tied around their neck. Pretty serious words. What does it mean to be like a child? I talked uh, this week a lot with my friend Jay, and he shared this passage with me as we were th- talking about 1 Samuel together. And the, the, things that, the, I, the thing that I brought out of this passage is this idea of being lowly and listening. Um, being, and, and the things that Jason heard from the Lord, this idea of being um, meek, meaning harnessed power, you know, you're powerful, you have the strength, but you harness that, that strength. Um, submissive and dutiful before the Lord. Um, how, do you, how do you change to become like a little child? Well, you become someone who is, is humble enough to realize that um, apart from God, you can do nothing. I read with my discipleship partner this week where, where Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If someone remains in me, they will bear much fruit. And there's, here's another absolute statement. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm pretty sure we all feel pretty capable of doing lots of things. But Jesus says nothing of value apart from being connected to the source. Uh, and how do you stay connected to the source? Um, you stay connected to the source, Jesus Christ, through a humble, submissive relationship where you harness your power, where you waive your rights, and you say, you are the Lord. Um, let, me, let it be unto me as you have said. Like the heart of Mary, who, who 
who uh, gave birth to Jesus, the heart of Hannah, as we're going to read today, and her husband. Um, a meek, harness power, submissive, dutiful, lowly, listening. Um, it says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. We're all called to this childlike faith. Um, it doesn't mean ignorant. It doesn't mean powerless. It means submissive to the Lord, connected vitally to the vine, um, holding on for dear life to God. All through the Old Testament, I could cite so many different examples. God talks about what he wants his worship to look like. And he gives people uh, rituals or, or, or ways of doing worship, uh, such as you know, sacrifices and all these different kinds of things. But throughout the Old Testament, people, they ditch childlike faith and they take on a very proud and arrogant way of interacting with the Lord that ends up being ritualistic, ends up being going through the motions, but their hearts being far from God. And this is something that is in the heart of the Father, uh, the Father God, throughout all of the history from the beginning until now. He says in Isaiah 1, I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Oh, the ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. It says later in Isaiah 1.11, The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and of the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and, and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals I hate with all of my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. And then he says this, Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It is the idea of childlike faith. If you are willing and obedient, he's like, I'm good. I've given you all of this stuff. Just submit yourselves to me. Just cling on to me. Like, if you don't, you're going to dry up like a branch separated from the vine. This is the heart of the Father. Raise children, but they do not know him or his ways. That's a situation we kind of come into in 1 Samuel. And this is the passage we're going to read together. That's a pretty long passage. And I, I put it up on the screen for you guys to read along. If you have a Bible, you can read along with me. We're in 1 Samuel 1, and I want you to listen very carefully to the example of, of worship that Hannah and her husband Elkanah uh, demonstrate and contrast that to the priesthood of the day, which seemed to get everything wrong. And really, I think that 
you could take the Isaiah 1 passage and say this is descriptive of Eli's sons. So 1 Samuel 1. There was a certain man from Ramatham, a Zuphite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peniah. Peniah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day for Elkanah came to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. This is why God never advocated polygamy, okay? Polygamy is a bad idea. Um, but again, it was something that happened back in the day. But it's never blessed, that's for sure. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give you Give him to the Lord for all of the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Yes, this was a problem in the temple sometimes. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my grief and great anguish. Eli answered, Go in peace. and May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. I want you to know that the sacrifice she offered is much more than would have been required. Um, she was, these people were real worshipers of the Lord. And they were really grateful for this gift that God give, had given them. They were regularly coming to the temple and giving great amounts to the Lord. And they were 
completely unified in this idea of consecrating this, this son to the service of the Lord. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who had, has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. Now Samuel at this time would have been three to five years old, um, serving as an underpriest with Samuel. It's amazing. As far as he was able, fulfilling all of those roles along with Eli. Now Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Now it was the practice of the priests that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come up with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled and would plunge the fork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, one of those four things. Whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servants would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, Give the priest, priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the person said to him, Let the fat be burned first, and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, No, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. It's so bad. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. I'm so touched by the contrast of Eli's sons, you know, demanding the best meat for themselves to, be, to cook and against the, what the Lord would want and, and threatening people with violence who wouldn't comply. Then you have this boy Samuel, whose parents had offered him to the Lord in gratefulness. 
And every year, Hannah would come with a little robe she made for him. And, you know, we're assuming that she made room to grow, you know, as a, as a loving parent would. And every year they came to that temple and they gave thanks for, for that amazing uh, thing that God had done for them. And the boy, Samuel, grew up in the presence of the Lord. Verse 22, Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. We also heard that about Jesus, didn't we, in Luke. Jesus, when he was a very young man, um, went to the temple and confounded the teachers of the law with his knowledge and his gifting. And, uh, and he, he, he was also said to be growing in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all of the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than, by, more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now, the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house, so that no one in it will reach old age, and you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your strength, and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house, and they will minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread and plead, appoint me to some priestly office so I can have food to eat. Something I learn about uh, God in the Bible is he gives people tremendous amounts of time to, to turn things around. Tremendous amounts of time. But people, as, as Pastor Soper has said many times, people fail to see that God's giving them all this time to turn things around. And by the time this judgment had come on um, these Eli and his children, you know, it was too late. They were sleeping with people in the entrance of the temple. They were taking things for themselves. They were being dishonest. They were being violent. And the time was up for them. And uh, God says, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, one who will do what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house, and they will minister before my anointed one always. And in God's heart was this little boy Samuel. 
you know, however old he was at this time, seven years old, eight years old. Chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord said to Samuel, and called to him. And Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Apparently the word of the Lord was rare enough that Samuel, it took Eli a while to figure this one out. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offerings. Samuel lay down until morning, and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you. Be ever so severely if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God, is what Jesus said. In this story, we see that contrast of people that were just honestly acting like, like they were gods in themselves. They were in control of their own lives. They were, they were the man. And then you have God saying, no more. I need people uh, like Samuel who know my heart and know my mind to serve me. There's this vision of, of worship called the priesthood of believers in the Bible where each of us uh, is a mediator between God and other people. And we minister before the Lord, and we minister to each other in the name of Jesus, one to another. This priesthood of believers is, is our way of worshiping God uh, in our day, where God has taken away this, this temple system and all the sacrifices and said, each of you is now, um, now comes directly to the Father, 
and you can reach out and you can touch him and you can share with others uh, what he has uh, given you and what he has done. We call it the kingdom of God that has come. And Jesus says that the way that we enter into the kingdom of God is to become like little children, to stop believing that we have it in ourselves to, uh, to do anything apart from the presence of God. This childlike faith is what God's calling us to, like Samuel had. And this story is, is such a beautiful story to me of, of a family who, in contrast to the, to the people that were serving in the temple in his day, this family, it says they regularly uh, came to the house of the Lord. I just want to do some highlights here. Year after year, Elkanah and Hannah went up from their town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. They were regular worshipers of God. They showed up faithfully every time. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord um, at the temple. Hannah laid down and just poured out her heart to the Lord. This is, this is my desire of my heart, God. This is what I'm yearning for. And God heard her. They sacrificed a costly offering to the Lord, the bull. And um, they, they agreed together that offering the boy to serve the Lord was the thing to do. Hannah, this woman who was not an official priest, um, along with her husband Elkanah, had a vision for who God was. If you read in Hannah's prayer, the Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. They understood who God was. They understood God's mind and, God, and God's heart, um, just like God would want. And they raised a son, likewise, who had this undivided way of simply, and in a very childlike way, he was a child after all, but his, you have to understand, his parents were like coming to the Lord like children. They were all, this whole family unit. Samuel didn't just appear out of nowhere. He had seen this demonstration. And this boy Samuel, uh, he submitted to Eli as his teacher. He kept an eye on the things in the temple, the lamp of God. He was alert he was waiting in his room, listening for the voice of his master, Eli. And he got up three times from his sleep when he thought he heard his master calling to him. That says something about his heart. You know, he was someone who was ready to do what was being asked of him. And that very trait led God himself to not only speak to him, but to come down and commune with him. Here I am, you called me. And then... Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then this boy, uh, Samuel, he got his first prophecy from God. It wasn't an easy word. In fact, he slept on it for a while. It was about the judgment of his master, uh, Eli. But he delivered that word, and he delivered it boldly because it wasn't his word. He was a person under orders. He was sub submitted to his Lord, and he was uh, faithful to carry out uh, what he heard. 
These are the characteristics that God is looking for in his new priesthood of believers. And I think that what often keeps the power of God and the kingdom of God from manifesting in our church or in Saratoga Springs or on this earth is when people do not approach God with childlike faith. When they are the Lord of their own lives and they sort of, they aren't, they aren't listening, they aren't alert, they aren't ready, they aren't faithful, they aren't showing up. In fact, you know, God is more like an um, accessory on their lives than the main event. And Jesus says, you know, you want to know who's great in the kingdom of heaven? Become like a little child. Become like that boy Samuel who was dutiful, obedient, submissive, who, who, who was serving someone other than himself whose life belonged to the Lord fully. I had a really interesting experience this week. I'm very blessed in that I am a third-generation Christian. My, my grandparents on both sides are believers. Uh, my father's parents aren't living anymore, but my mother's parents are both alive. And it's an amazing thing to be part of a heritage like that, my, my grandparents came to Christ during the Jesus movement in the 70s, I want to say, uh, 60s, 70s. And my grandmother, she, she demonstrated a really interesting um, thing to me. I stopped by their house on, on Tuesday this past week. We were at our, our uh, denomination's pastor's group in Skodak, so I drove through Del Mar and stopped at my grandparents' house. And my grandmother just started telling me about when she came to the Lord. And she said uh, that she was attending a church and then, you know, she heard about the idea of, of the call of God and the salvation of God. And she had never really heard that before. And she responded in faith and received the Lord as her Savior. And then later that week, she was at home and she said God just started speaking to her. And it reminded me so much of the Samuel story. She was, she was sleeping and she was woken up at like uh, 3 a.m. in the morning. And she heard God say to her the word love. And she, and she uh, was, was curious about it. She didn't know what it meant. But after a few, few minutes, she, it prompted a question in her. And she said to the Lord, Do I love you? And the Lord said, No, you don't. And she said, you're right. I'm angry at you for taking my mother. My grandmother's mother had died a very bad um, result of, of a really bad cancer. And she had an inability to love the Lord because of this event that had happened in her life. And she kind of talked with God about that. And God revealed to her that you know, he, he, he worked even that out for her good to bring her to a place where she could know him. And she made peace with that. And she actually got set free from that inability to connect with God just through simply hearing God's voice in her, in her heart and responding in faith. It was such an interesting thing because I just read that first Samuel passage and uh, here my grandmother was talking about how God whispered to her. And she's always been someone that I've looked up to as someone who has that childlike faith that comes to God, submitted to him, and, and does whatever he says. Um, she, growing up, 
whenever we visited their house, she would be up reading her Bible with a cup of coffee and, uh, and talking to people on the phone and, and counseling people and sharing about God with people. And she was just available. She was someone that was constantly praying and being used to the Lord with a simple, childlike kind of faith. She had room for him in her life. And I don't know if you uh, can identify with that idea of childlike faith, the idea of, of um, connecting with God and believing uh, that God wants to do things in your life and submitting to him, um, submitting to his word in you and, and committing to serve him faithfully uh, like a child. That's, that's something that whenever I've been in those places in my life where I've truly taken this priesthood of believers thing seriously and truly um, set my life before the Lord and listened to him, he's always uh, done much cooler things in my life than I've ever experienced before. And people like, people like Hannah and Elkanah and Samuel, this family, if you look at the context of this story, they were, they were like a salt and a light in that community. They were steady, dependable, showing up people, loved the Lord and were open to whatever he wanted them to do. And I think that those are the kind of people that God is looking for. People that know God's mind, God's heart. People that consider themselves to really be a priest. Not just, uh, not just uh, someone sitting on the sidelines, but someone who considers themselves to be part of the the real and vital work of God in the world. What would our church be like if all of us came to church and thought to ourselves, you know, come, come to him as children and said, you know, I want, I'm a priest of you. Who am I supposed to minister your presence to this morning? What do you have for me to say to people? How do you want me to serve other people? What if each of us came to the Lord with that mindset? I was very challenged by this uh, passage to think through my relationship with the Lord and to go back into this idea of childlike faith, um, trusting in him, relying on him, offering myself to him, and asking God to be using my life uh, in other people's lives, to be humble, to be meek, to be submissive, to be steadfast and regular in my worship and how I work with other people. Um, God is... The eyes of the Lord roam the earth, seeking those whose hearts are fully his. And, uh, and when God looks at New Life Fellowship, I want him to see a church of people whose hearts are fully his, who are given over to the service of the Lord, who are trusting him, serving before him, taking seriously the calling that he's placed in their life to be a priest of God. Heavenly Father, um, this example of childlike faith, of coming to you, and giving to you and living completely for you, trusting you. It's a challenge to all of us. My heart is, God, I desire so much to see a move of God in our city, in our church. So I pray that you would raise up within your people here that childlike faith to go back, to retrace our steps to where we lost our way and became independent people who rely on ourselves, and live for ourselves. And bring us back to that place where we are seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness, trusting you to get, take care of everything else. I want to see the body of Christ formed in this place, God, in a powerful way. So I pray for, for unity. I pray for each of us to be renewed in our passion and vision as Christians. And I pray that you would make it so in our body. I pray for that 
fresh feeling, that fresh experience um, of setting down the old way, changing directions and doing something new. That we might be counted among those people whose minds and hearts are fully yours. And we think your thoughts and we, our hearts are soft to go in your ways. And I pray that you would raise up a priesthood of believers from this place, God. That you would bring a transformation and renewal to our church and also to our city. We pray this in Jesus' name.